Let's pray together before we begin. Lord, we thank you uh, for your word. We thank you for what it teaches us. We thank you that it is living and active and that it continually corrects us and rebukes us and points us to you and our need for you and the ways that you love us. We pray this morning that as we open your word, that that's exactly what would happen, that we would see you more fully. We just confess as we do each week that without your spirit moving and leading and guiding us in this time, we are hopelessly lost. And so we pray that you would move and you would do those things, uh, that your spirit would move freely in this place, that you would imply Apply this to our hearts and and remind us of the ways that you love us and point us more fully to you. We pray all these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. Uh, Some of you have probably done this before, different jobs you've had or different times in your life. You may have had to write a mission statement, right? If you maybe you worked at a company where that was the case and you're trying to kind of hone in on what you're going to be as a, as a business or a company or, or uh, I remember having to do this in school. I had to do it in undergraduate and then also did it uh, when I was in seminary. I had to write a personal uh, mission statement for your, uh, for your CV and for all your stuff and trying to hone that down. And so, or, or maybe, maybe you haven't had that experience in terms of school or even as a business, but just even as, as people walk up and ask you uh, what you do or they ask you about what you're really passionate about or what, how you try to sum that up in a few short statements that can be difficult to do. And I, and I bring that up and I was thinking about that because we've been trying to do that a lot lately as a church. We've been talking about how do we really summarize uh, what the heart of what we want to be as a body of believers. And we've we kept talking about that a bunch. And we just went through what we call the vision renewal dinners. We had a bunch of dinners that uh, took the place of normally we have a quarterly uh, just meeting together where we talk about where we're going and different things of that nature. But this time we did it in dinners. And in these dinners, we kept talking about how do we really summarize who we are as a church? If somebody's going to ask you what uh, Church of the Apostles, this local body of believers is about, what will we say? And so we kept thinking about that and coming back to that. And if you were in those dinners, you heard me say that. If you weren't, you'll hear it this morning. But what we kept coming back to is we're trying to really uh, hone that down and as, as simple as we could be. And what we kept saying is we want to grow and then go, right? And we kept saying that over, grow and go. And what we mean by that, and when we talk about that, is we want to grow in the grace and the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ and who he is and what he's done for us. And we want to see that and we want to apply that in our lives and to our hearts and everything that we are. And then as that takes place and as that's happening, we want to go and tell other people about it. And we see that so clearly in scripture and what Jesus points us to. We even see that in the passage that, that Chris read for us this morning from John chapter 20 and you see that over and over and so as we we finished these dinners up and we just happened to finish our series in first Corinthians last week it felt like this is a good time to, to preach on that specific thing and look at that idea this morning together kind of as a cap to those dinners and just an in-between as we move on to what we're going to be doing next on Sunday mornings and so I thought about that topic and I thought we could spend time on the on the verses that Chris just read from us, uh, for us from John chapter 20. As the Father sent me, now I am sending you, is what Jesus says to the disciples right after the resurrection. Or we can look at Matthew chapter 28, right before the ascension, and Jesus says, now go therefore and make disciples of all nations, teaching them all that I've taught you and baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Or we can look at Acts 
one where it's the same thing. Go be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. And we see this over and over. But the way I wanted to look at it this morning is from Matthew chapter nine. And it's really what we call the, the call of Matthew. And it's, it's found in the Pew Bibles if you want to follow along on page 527. And we're just going to look at five short verses, Matthew nine, verses nine to 13. And I think this fleshes out what we're talking about somewhat, but it also gives us some real practical application of what this looks like. And so that's why I picked Matthew nine. But I want us to look at that today together. But I'm going to read those verses to you again. It's it's a short passage. It's only five verses. But let me read that to you and then we'll jump in and think about this idea together. And so as Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And he rose and followed him. And as Jesus reclined at the table in the house, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? But when he heard it, he said, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice, for I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. And so I want us to look at that passage this morning, and then we're going to talk about this idea of growing and going. And I want us to look at it through the lens of of what Matthew 9 says and what it teaches us and what it tells us. But before we think about the growing and going, I want us just to start with why that's even important. Why do we even say we need to be growing and going to begin with? Because if we get that wrong, we'll get the rest of it wrong. And we've got to make sure we have uh, that part uh, on sure footing to begin with. And so I want us just to think about the why are we even concerned with that at the beginning? And, and the answer to that question when we say why is, is the very heart of that is, is the gospel. It's the good news of Jesus Christ and what he's done for us. But I want us to think about why that's the case and go a little deeper than just saying, well, it's just the gospel. You know, when we talk about who we are as a church, I mean, our saying we want to grow and go. And that's a simplified way of saying we often say, and if you go to the website and you look at our doctrine statement and all those things that we want to be gospel centered. We want the center of all that we do to flow out of the good news of who Jesus Christ is and what he's done for us and the way God has revealed himself to us. And so when we think about the why, we could say the gospel and we want to be gospel centered. But I want us to think about this passage and what it says and why that's so important. Because if we miss on this and what this really looks like and what it means to grow in Jesus and to follow Jesus. And if we miss the gospel part, we miss all of it. And so what happens here and you look in this passage is that the the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the day were missing it. They were missing it completely. And what Jesus says to correct them is going to help get us to the right, the why. And so I want us to look at that. Look at verses 11 to 13 and what they say. Right. So here's Jesus in the house and he's he's basically at a party with some people. And there's some maybe not the, the best people there on the surface looking at him. And they show up and these guys are really serious about keeping rules and all the things that go with it. The Pharisees saw this and they said to the disciples, right? They see who's there. Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? Basically, why Jesus is he over there with those people? And Jesus hears them. He hears what they say and he turns and he answers for himself. And he says, those who are well have no need of physician, but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice for I came not to call the righteous but sinners. 
And so the very heart here that the, the religious elite questioning Jesus and pointing this out is they're going, what's he doing? They've missed it because they're making it all about rules and rule keeping and what that looks like. And Jesus is going to correct them a little bit. They're kind of full of themselves and what they think things should be. And so what Jesus turns and he says, well, I came to call sinners. Right. And so the question becomes, what does that look like? And when we think about what that is and we look at all of Scripture and all that it says and all that it tells us, when Jesus says, I came to call sinners, he's talking about us. And what I mean by that is he's talking about all of us because every single one of us is a sinner. Right. That's what Jesus is saying. I came to call sinners. Well, that's every person who's ever lived with the exception of Jesus. And he says, I came to call sinners. You see this all the way through the scriptures all the way over and over. You see that you see it uh, from the very beginning in Genesis six, when it talks about how our hearts, their hearts were continually evil. And you get to Jeremiah and he says, our hearts deceitful above all things. And then you get to Romans and it says, no one is righteous and no one seeks God. No, not one. And we see that over and over and over again. Jesus himself says it in John three very clearly. And he talks about how that uh, he didn't come to condemn the world. And we really like that verse. And then the next verse, he says, I didn't come to condemn the world because the world's condemned already. Because we're all sinners, right? He says, I came for this world and, and we're all in our sin. And so you see this picture of Jesus pointing to that. Now, where they're missing it is the same way that we often miss it. Religion misses it. Large parts of the site, even in the church, we start to miss it. We start to make things about our performance. Right. That's what I'm going to call religion. Now, religion's not a bad word or a bad thing. But when we make religion rules to earn our worth before God, that's where we get off. That's where we start to miss it. Right. Uh, oftentimes in church circles. Right. If I go to a conference, we like to say theologians stand up. And they like to say uh, it's not about works based righteousness. And you can go, OK, that's great. What does that mean? Uh, works based righteousness. Righteousness means right standing with God. And if we slide into works based righteousness, what we're saying is I'm going to try to do A, B and C. And if I do those well enough, then God will accept me. Right? I'm going to try to do some things to earn my worth before God. And even as a Christian who says I am saved by faith alone and what Christ has done for me, we can slide into this. And the reason we can slide into it is because our heart is sinful. Our heart is deceitful. Our heart wants to make all of our life about us and what we do and not what God does for us. And so even as a Christian is saying, yes, I'm saved by grace alone. And then you start to get up in the morning and you read your Bible and you start to do things. And then you start to feel good about yourself. Hey, look at what I'm doing. And you start to slide into this religious thinking. This is exactly who Jesus is talking to. They have slid all the way into the religious thinking so much so that they show up and they look at Jesus and they go, what are you doing eating with those people? Right. And, and they're starting to twist it and to make it into religious things that we do. And when we start to do that, when we talk about growing and going, if we have that wrong, growing means doing all these things so that God accepts us. And if we get into that, we've missed the whole thing. We've missed it completely and totally. The Bible tells us over and over that you can't you can't achieve that on your own, that God is perfect and we can never do enough to be made righteous in his sight by our works. And so if we slide into it being that, that's like the hamster running on the little wheel. You can go and go and go and go and you're never going to get anywhere. 
And so the, the picture here is we, we don't want to miss it in that way. But when we say, why is it that we do and we can't achieve that and we can't do that, we want to make sure that we get the gospel part right. It's simply that we're sinners. We need a savior to come and do what we can't do for us. And that's what Jesus says. I came for sinners. I came to call sinners. Now, now you can look at this passage and he says, well, I didn't come to call the righteous, but sinners. And you could go, well, wait a second. It sounds like that there are some that are righteous. Because he just said, I didn't come to call the righteous, I came to call sinners. And I think what Jesus is doing clearly is he's, is he's talking with these religious elite. Is That's kind of a, a barb almost at them to go, you're missing it. You're missing that I've come to call sinners because you've forgotten that you're a sinner. Right. And, or in other words, another way of saying is that I didn't come to call the self-righteous. Right. Because if we miss this part and we think we're self-righteous, we don't see the need for a savior. And then if we miss that part, when we talk about growing in Jesus and going and telling people about Jesus, we can make it into just following Jesus's teachings. And if we do that, we've missed it completely. And so the why, the the important part that we have to see, whether you're a Christian or whether you're seeking and you're not sure yet and you're asking questions, it's the same on both sides. All of us are sinners. All of us have a deceitful heart that wants to take it back to make it be all about me and what I do. And so even as a Christian, even if you have put your faith in Jesus and it's all grace and you say, yes, it's all Jesus, we still need to guard our hearts with the gospel each and every day and growing in the gospel because we can slip into becoming Pharisees. Well, look at what I'm doing. Yeah, I know I'm saved by grace, but hey, look at all the things I'm doing. And that's our deceitful heart. And so when we start about the why we need to grow and go is that we're sinful. We're in need of a savior. We're in need of reminding over and over that only he can do what we can't do for us. We say this every week and I come back to this over and over. But the picture, the beautiful picture here that we have to start with is that Jesus can has to do what we can't do for us. He comes and lives the perfect life that we couldn't live. And he does it perfectly and completely in every way. And then he says, I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to do this great exchange. I'm going to take your sin and I'm going to give you my works. And I'm going to make you righteous with God by what I do for you. And if we don't see growing as growing in that, in understanding and applying and and pushing it deeper in, we miss it. And if we don't see going as telling people that you can't be saved on your own, you need a savior, then we miss that too. And so the why is that we are all desperately lost without Jesus. That's the why we have to grow in the gospel and we have to go tell it. And so that takes us to the second part of of how do we grow and how do we begin to do that? That's the why. And that's the foundation that we always have to start with. But then how do we go and how do we grow and then how do we go? And I want us just to think about that. And the first thing I'm saying, I know this is going to sound really, really obvious, but how do we grow? The very first thing is, is you have to meet Jesus. Right? You, you see here in this passage, Matthew meets Jesus. Right. Chapter uh, or verse nine of, of, of chapter nine, it says, and Jesus passed on from there and he saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And he rose and he followed him. I marvel at the, every time I read it, right? Matthew is here at work, right? He's, he's literally in present day. He's at his cubicle. He's typing away on his computer. He's doing his thing. And Jesus walks by and says, you let's go. And he goes, okay. And he gets up and he goes with him. And we don't know all the background that's here. We don't know exactly. Did, 
Did Matthew, had he talked to Jesus a bunch of times before? Had Jesus been coming around and coming by? Or had Matthew heard Jesus preaching? Most likely he's out in an area where he would have heard him. Maybe he had heard him three or four or five times and his heart leapt inside and he went, there's something different about this guy. Maybe that was the case. Maybe Matthew's friends came and said, hey, you got to meet Jesus. You're not going to believe this guy. You, you just wait until you hear him. You've got to meet him. And so maybe some of those things were happening before. Or maybe this was the very first time he ever laid eyes on Jesus and he walked up and said, let's go. And he went, all right. But the point is to start to grow at all. You have to meet Jesus. You have to come face to face with Jesus. And so oftentimes all of us, if you went around the room and you asked the question of how did you become a Christian and what did it look like for you, you'd get tons of different answers. You get some people who heard the gospel for the first time and they go, I'm a sinner and I need that. And they fall down and say, what must I do to be saved? Like in Acts chapter two, or you'd hear some that said, man, I heard it my whole life for 20 or 30 years before finally I met Jesus. And it's all different. And the reason that it's all different, Jesus kind of pulls back the curtain and he tells us a little bit of why it's all different. In John chapter three, he says, unless you're born of the spirit, you're never going to see this. And then in John three, eight, he says, the spirit blows where it goes. It's like the wind. The wind blows where it goes and you don't see where it's coming or where it's going. But when it does, that's the only way that this happens. And so I say that in this, unless you've met Jesus yourself, you're never going to move on this process of growing. And the way that happens is the spirit moves and opens your eyes to see Jesus. And there's a mystery there of exactly how that happens. And the Bible tells us as believers, we're called to be faithful and say faith comes through hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Romans 10 says that. And we're supposed to say it. And then the spirit does his work. And so when we think about growing, I want you to to get what I'm getting at here. We should be on our face. In prayer before the Lord. When we're really talking about meeting Jesus, that's something we can't do. The spirit has to move. And so when we talk about growing, it's going to be us on our face pleading. It's going to be what uh, Phil just sang for us just a minute ago. The blind won't gain their sight by opening their eyes. And they said, have mercy on me, son of David. Right? Right? That's the only way we we plead that he would have mercy and he would show us. It's the only way that growth is ever going to begin. And so when I say the the first way you grow is you meet Jesus. And so when we think about growing as individuals and as a body together, we're going to have to be a people that are on our face praying. And when we think about going and telling anybody, it's the same thing. It's going to begin and end with prayer, pleading that he would move. And we have to see that first. But then what about what you see Jesus, right? Matthew, in some way, saw Jesus because he got up and he went. Come with me. okay? but that's that's the second part. How do we begin to grow? How do we grow in the grace of Jesus? How do we grow closer? How do we press this in and make it more and more in the picture here is you follow him? You get up and you go. You become a disciple of Jesus. We like to say that a lot today. That's become kind of in vogue again to call it discipleship and making disciples and want to be disciples. And yes, absolutely. The sad part is we often don't know what that means. 
A rabbi with his disciples in Jesus' day meant you went with your rabbi and it was complete obedience. You followed him in everything. Everything he told you and everything he said and everywhere he went, you did it. And you followed him and you listened to him and that was it. See, today we think of discipleship a lot of times as as Jesus is a good advice giver. He's a good personal assistant. Yeah, I'll be a disciple and I'll take some of the things he says and I'll pick and choose and I'll apply some and I'll kind of ignore the others. And it's not full obedience to following him. It's kind of like, oh, I'll pick and choose what I like. Or people today will come and, and it's good to ask questions and to be seeking. And if you're here today and you don't know Jesus and you have questions about who he is, sometimes it goes like this. You say, well, what is the Christian answer on morality? Uh, what does Christianity say about me sleeping with my boyfriend? And what does Christianity say about this or that? And we start to ask all these questions about, well, what does Jesus say about that? Like we're interviewing him. Right? Like if his answers are good enough, then maybe I'll follow Jesus. Right? That's the way we often operate and we often look at it. But I want you to think about whether you're a believer or you're seeking, whichever side you're on, how absolutely ludicrous that is. If Jesus is who he says he is, and Jesus says, I'm God, make no mistake about it. Jesus says it over and over. I am he. I am. Before Abraham was, I am. Right? Jesus says that over and over. And so there's two choices you have. Either Jesus is who he says he is. And if he is, the idea of making him your personal assistant that you pick and choose what he says is absolute insanity. Creator God of the universe that spoke you into existence, that holds you together by the power of his word. And you go, I might take your advice and I might not. It makes no sense at all. And if he's not who he says he is, the idea that you would even pick and choose some of it is just as crazy. Because if he's not who he says he is, then he's a crazy man. And there's no there's no reason There's no reason to pick and choose part of it. The only posture to take with Jesus is if Jesus is who he says he is, if he is the son of God that has come down and done what we can't do for us, it's complete obedience in everything. There's nothing else that makes any sense. And so when we think about growing and following him and growing in the grace of Jesus, real I mean, this is pretty simple and straightforward. It means following him. It means making him the center and complete obedience in all things. And I'm going to follow him. I'm going to seek to make him the center of my life and everything. And now that takes on a lot of things that we see Jesus doing and what he tells us and, and reading scripture and praying and, and gathering together and encouraging one another. So all those go under that heading, but all those go under that heading of following Jesus and being completely obedient to him. And so when we think about growing, it means following Christ. Following him in every way and in everything. And any other posture makes no sense. If he really is the Lord, if he really is God incarnate in the flesh, nothing else makes sense. And so that's how we grow. We meet him and then we follow him. Just what Matthew does here. Let's go. Okay. I'm with you. And he follows him. But what about the going part? Right? Why the going? Right? Well, it goes back, first of all, what we said at the beginning. Or actually, I'll start right here with obedience. 
If we're going to follow Jesus in all things and we're going to grow, and that means following him in obedience, I want you to go back to what Chris read this morning from John 20, 21. Jesus said to them, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I'm sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. And so when we think about going and why we go and we go and tell is that we are now Jesus' body. Scripture uses that picture over and over. Your hands and feet. As the Father sent me, I'm sending you. Now you go and do the same. You go and tell people. You go and make disciples of all nations. Go to the ends of the earth telling people, following me all your days. Teaching them all that I commanded. And so we gather together to, to grow and to encourage one another and press the gospel in and see that in our lives. And then we get up and we walk out of here and you are the church. We say that a lot. And we need to be reminded of that every day. We gather together as the church, the gathering of the church, but you are the church. And when you walk out, you're Jesus's hands and feet in this world. You're to go and tell. You're to follow him. You are sent in the same way the father sent Jesus. So go. And so if we're going to be obedient and follow him, it's going to include going. It's not just come here and gather and, okay, I did that part. Now let me get back to the rest of my life. It's walk out of here and then go and tell. Go and be salt and light. The city on a hill. All those images that Jesus uses over and over again. Right? He says just a few chapters before, it's in Matthew chapter 4, as he calls Peter and Andrew. Right? He says to them, he says, uh, follow me. Right? He says, come follow me and I will. And then you know the rest. He says, I will make you fishers of men. Follow me and you're going to grow and then I'm going to send you out. Right? You see this over and over. This is always the, the picture. It's always both. The grow and go together. And what happens Oftentimes, as we want to make it just growing, we'll come together as a church and we'll gather and we'll encourage one another and then we'll get on with our lives. And then we'll do that again and we'll do that again. And it can't be that. Right. When that happens, we slide into religion and we become just like the Pharisees. Oh, they're, look at what those people are doing and look at what they're doing. And we're right. What are you doing eating with them? Why are you going over there with them? Well, the answer would be is because Jesus said so. Because Jesus tells us, he compels us to go. And so that, that picture is that we are now sent out and we go to make disciples and look to do that. Now, we say that a lot. And I realize we've been saying that grow and go. And we're talking about the ways that we grow. And then we say, go out and do it. And now that's where it can be kind of scary. Okay, you're it. You're the church. Go and do that. And you go, what does that mean? What does that look like? How do I do that? Right? You go, well, I don't have all the answers and I'm not sure how to do that. That's why I picked this passage and I love this picture. Right? Look at, look at what happens. So verse 9, follow me, Matthew, verse 10. And they were reclining at the table in the house. And behold, the tax collectors and the sinners came and were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. Luke's gospel fills in some background that we don't get in Matthew's. Right? Matthew's just kind of tells us they're at a party. They're hanging out. Luke tells us it's Matthew's house. Right? So he follows them. And they go and they go out. And then the next thing you see is Matthew's having a giant party at his house. And he's invited all these people. And he's invited them to meet Jesus. 
And so when we think about what does it look like to go and we can get in our in our mind, oh, I got to go door to door or I got to go stand in the park and be a street evangelist or I got to do. Right here, Matthew nine ten, invite people to your house. Invite them over, meet them and love them and spend time with them and get to know them and point them to Jesus. It's really not that difficult. And if you go, well, I don't know what to say and I'm not sure how that will go. Invite a friend that you are growing with and say, come with me and let's do this and invite people into our house together. It's wonderful what happens. Suddenly you go, well, I don't know the answer to that. And then your friend goes, well, you know, I think it's like you go. Right. We saw that happening in Montreal. We went out on the street. Right. And we were with the Jones family and we're talking to different people. And I saw that happen over and over. Uh, Jacob and I were talking to a guy and he was a young guy, Jacob's age. And he's saying all these things and connected him with ways where it's like, I'm just too old. I'm like, I don't even know how to. But then he would ask a question and I'd go, oh, yeah. And then I'd answer it. And then after it, we talked to this guy for 45 minutes and he leaves and Jacob goes, oh, I'm so glad you're here. I didn't know how to answer that. And I go, oh, I was glad you were here because I didn't know how to talk to him here. And so it's like together we start to do that. Right? That's the picture. The disciples are all together with Jesus and they're inviting people in. And so what you see is Jesus saying, go, and he goes out and he loves people. And what happens is we try to make it about religion and about rules and we're just going to do this and do these things. And that's actually what they say to Jesus. Why are you talking to them? And look at what Jesus says to him. He says, uh, go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. He's quoting Hosea. Right. And I love that when you see this picture, here's the really religious people that want to make it all into religion and these rules and these things. And they ask the question. So what does Jesus do? He quotes scripture to him. He meets them where they are. Oh, OK. We have that question. We'll go learn what this means. And he points them back. And you know what he tells them is that I desire you to love people and pursue people more than keeping rules. I want you to love me and love people. That's the way Jesus summarized all of the law, right? What's the most important rule? They asked Jesus and he says, well, to love God with your heart, soul, mind and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. And he says the same thing to them. Go figure out what this means. Love people. And so the picture that emerges here is 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 going out and pursuing people where they are. And meeting them where they are and loving them and pointing them to Jesus. And I'll take you back to the why that's so important. It's so important because you know, if you've become a Christian and you've met Jesus, you know you are a hopeless sinner saved by Jesus and nothing else. And you know that's all you got. And what happens is when you start to grow in that, you see every person the same way. If they don't know, I look at my neighbors and I go, how can they function Without knowing this. How can they get up in the morning? How is that possible? To not know this. To not know Jesus. And so Jesus says, I've called you. And I've opened your eyes. And I've loved you. And I've showed you. Now go do it. Go tell people. And so when we think about the why. I mean, the why is we know. We know why. Because he meets our deepest needs. I know I would be hopelessly lost without him. And I see people that way. Either they know it and we can rejoice and we can encourage one another. Or they don't. And i got to tell them. 
And so when we think about what we want to be as a body of believers, that's it. I want us to encourage one another every time that we're together about who Jesus is in the gospel. Right? This is what it's about. And then I want us to be so excited when we walk out of here. We're scheming together. We're encouraging one another. We're getting excited about how are we now going to go do this. Right? It's always going to be in the power of the Spirit. It's always going to be God moving. We've always got to be on our face praying. But we're called to be faithful and go and tell. And so when people ask you, and I'll just end here, when we talk about what we want to be as a body of believers. When people go, hey, where's your church? Which you say, I'm the church, if they ask that, because this is not the church, right? Where's your church? You say, well, where we meet is, right? You tell them that. But when people ask you, where do you go? Where do you worship? What does that look like? What's your church about? We gather to grow together in the gospel of Jesus, and we seek to go and tell people. That's why we're here. We so want that to be uniform. The unity of this body is that's what we're about. We're about Jesus and letting people know. And that's it. And that's the picture we want to be. So let's pray. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the way you've revealed yourself to us in Jesus. We thank you for these stories. Thank you for the call of Matthew. That he got up and he followed you and he invited people to his house to meet you. Pray that that would be each of our story. That we would follow you and we'd seek to invite every person we meet in to, to meet our King, our Savior. That we'd be so excited about that. I thank you for the many ways we see that happening. Thank you for the people that are here that I see each week telling you in the ways those are happening and seeking to do that. I pray that when we are paralyzed by fear and we're not sure how to do that, that your spirit would move and you would show us and you would lead us and you would guide us, that you would take us to the ends of the earth for your glory, to make your name known. We thank you, thank you for all that you've done for us and we pray it all in Jesus' precious name. Amen.